In the 1960s, where rioting was virtually a norm and freedom fighters were asking, who do you turn to when a cop hits you? They weren't thinking about where you turn when an elected official sticks his finger in a voter's chest and shouts, I don't work for you. It's clear we can't count on our elected officials to stand up for what's right. The law, truth, justice. Actually, we do have one ally. He's with you now. He's Dan Newman. Doesn't matter what you're going through. I'm with you. So is everyone else at Truth News Network. Good morning, everybody, and welcome back. It's a hot, hot day in the South. Oh, my gosh, yesterday, 100 degrees in Shreveport, Louisiana, and it's just June. Now, I know that wasn't the official National Weather Service high temperature yesterday, but let me tell you what. The National Weather Service here in Shreveport, Louisiana, is at the airport away from every other part of, uh, you know, the places where we live. But on hot asphalt yesterday, it was over 100 degrees. Ask me how I know. I was out in the hot and the humid temperatures here in Louisiana. I hope you're having a good summer. I hope your kids that are out of school, I hope many of you may be on the beach listening to the show this morning, wherever you are. Thank you for being here. Thank you for joining us. We're going to spotlight a lot of things, important things, and we're just going to race right right through them. I want to make sure we cover all of the topics that are going on. They include, of course, our economy. They include, of course, the January 6th look-in on that so-called insurrection that happened January 6th, a little over a year and a half ago. And there's a lot of stuff coming out of that. The committee, every day, that they're speaking in front of people on television or otherwise. They're making themselves look just like fools. Here's the bottom line to that whole mess. It's over. It's in the rearview mirror. Whatever you think, whatever you plan to stick to as far as the insurrection, whether you believe it was real or not, there are a lot of questions that remain unanswered, some very important ones. And I got to be honest with you, those aren't the questions that are being asked by this January 6th committee. It's not actually a committee. It is a, a little panel that was put together by Speaker Pelosi. And there's a whole set of parameters that she laid out and told them you don't go here, you don't go there. You certainly don't talk about the responsibility of Chuck Schumer and Nancy Pelosi that day regarding the protection of the U.S. Capitol and all those within it, which they are responsible for. She won't answer any questions about where she was. She won't answer any questions about why didn't she and Chuck agree to let the National Guard come in force because the FBI had told both Nancy and Chuck there's a good probability there's going to be a bunch of noise with a lot of people that day. And she said don't come. The former President of the United States is the one who made that appeal to the National Guard. And she said, no, that's just one thing. Why wouldn't she participate in the goings-on in front of the television cameras? Well, it's because she doesn't want to be exposed. We all know that. There's that to talk about. But at the top of the story today and at the top of mind for most of us is what's going on in our economy. And it ain't good, folks. It's really, really bad. And so that brings this question to mind. 
does President Joe Biden even know that the economy is really, really bad? Just how bad is it? Well, normally an answer to that would be concise and positive. Um, Neither of those terms apply to Joe Biden's economy. How about let's make up a new name for this economy. Let's call it Biden disaster. No one who was not living in this economy would believe the Biden version. Everything's okay. He actually had the gall while he was in California at the end of last week. And he said the U.S. economy is leading the world in economic growth and improvement under his guidance as president. Number one in the world. Nothing could be further from the truth. I'm not being opinionated here. In fact, the U.S. economy is not even rated in the top 50 in the world in economic growth. I guess maybe Jill or Corrine whispered that in his ear. You're doing a good job, Joe. Everything's cool. There's certainly no way any president should not have known the dire economic straits we find ourselves in. And it's all, every bit of it, is because of things Joe Biden has done and things Joe Biden refuses to do. So let's look at, uh, we'll call it Biden planning. Last March, President Biden hosted a meeting with historians at the White House. They talked about several things, including how Biden could and should push through historic legislation to change America, the kind of reshaping that comes around maybe once in a generation. They also talked about Franklin Delano Roosevelt, FDR. At one point, Biden reportedly said, I'm no FDR, but... He had reason to be bullish. He had just passed that $1.9 trillion COVID-19 relief bill, which included a bunch of non-pandemic measures supported by Democrats, of course, such as bailout for struggling union pension plans. Biden was also pursuing a series of historically expensive legislative packages that ultimately became condensed into his signature legislation, You'll never forget the name of it, the Build Back Better Act, a mammoth social and climate spending bill that later failed to pass in the Senate. After that March meeting, presidential historian Michael Beschloss told Axios that Biden may be this century's analog of FDR and LBJ, Lyndon B. Johnson, in terms of transforming the country in important ways in a short time. Boy, was that to be true, and not in a good sense, right? When all this took place in March a year ago, Biden's approval rating at the time was well above 50%, even hitting 60% in some polls. The economic forecast was improving as consumer confidence, it soared. And yes, articles comparing Biden to FDR and LBJ became commonplace in mainstream publications at least, with some commentators asking if Biden could join them in the Democrat Party's pantheon. In short, who can believe it, but just a little over a year ago, Biden was in a very strong position. Things were pretty darn good. But then there's today. Today, the story of the 46th president has made some really drastic changes. 
So we put together five numbers and some of the American faces behind them, five numbers that show just how it is so easy in just a year to unravel the presidency of the United States. Five numbers. So let's get right to it. What's the number one number? 8.6%. U.S. inflation hit its highest level in more than 40 years in May. That's according to the Labor Department. Information came out last Friday. The CPI, Consumer Price Index, which measures what consumers pay for goods and services, it increased 8.6% in May from the same month a year ago. Think about that. In one year, everything we bought, everything, was up an average of almost 9%. This monthly increase was the highest since 1981, was driven by sharp spikes in the prices for groceries and energy. However, inflation hit virtually every part of our consumer category, from shelters to used cars to airline fares. Inflationary pressures were seen nearly everywhere. That's Sarah House saying that, who's a senior economist at Wells Fargo, speaking to the Wall Street Journal. According to dozens of economic experts, soaring inflation was caused by Biden's economic policies, namely two much spending. Combine that with the Federal Reserve keeping interest rates near zero while they just continue to print money. They would It's not actually dollar bills they print. It's those stock certificates, those bonds, the federal government. That's the money they're printing, and there's no money there. It's just pieces of paper. Of course, the numbers don't tell the full story of our inflation. Behind each statistic on inflation are real people who are struggling to make a living and to provide for our families. So as real wages drop and living costs continue to rise, 83% of us say they're experiencing some hardship because of higher prices for everyday items. And most Americans expect inflation to get worse. 8.6%. That's our first number. Second number, and you can really relate with this one, $5 and a penny per gallon. For many Americans, the most devastating impact of our inflation has been felt at the gas pump. The U.S. average price for a gallon of regular reached $5.01 per gallon on Sunday. That's coming from the AAA, the latest numbers. Gas hit a new record almost every single day over the past 30 days. Diesel prices, likewise, have reached record highs and show no signs of dropping. What does that affect? A range of industries. Everybody that does trucking, that sells anything, you got to get it somehow, and almost all of that is dispensed around the nation by trucks. As with other areas of inflation, there are faces behind those numbers. When you see gas go up 40 cents in one day, I have to decide whether to buy gas or buy groceries. That's Cindy Sullivan from Ohio. She said that to ABC affiliate Channel 9. It's very frustrating for the people on limited incomes. And she's not alone. Lisa Hovis, a resident of Marcan, Missouri, said that she routinely drives to a St. Louis hospital for radiation treatments for cancer. It costs me anywhere from $100 to $120 a week just to drive 
to St. Louis for treatment. With the grocery prices too, you know it's really bad. So our number two, $5 and a penny per gallon. Number three, 234,088 illegal border crossings. So let's set the economy to the side just for a second. You put that aside, polling shows immigration is one of the most important issues to American voters. And Democrats and independents, not just Republicans, are growing increasingly concerned about the ongoing surge in illegal immigration. Not immigration, illegal immigration. Most Americans are happy to open up and be accepting of all of those one million legal immigrants from around the world that come here legally every year and have for decades. And do you know that one million number that we let in and have let in every every year for decades? That number, one million a year, is more than every other nation on earth allows into their countries legally. You put them all together, nationwide, worldwide, and it doesn't even equal what we do in one year. We're not talking about legal immigration. We're talking about 234,088 illegal border crossings. Since Biden entered office, there's been a sharp rise in the number of people who have crossed over our southern border illegally. It reached about 2.4 million illegal border crossings from April of last year to this past April. That's the last month for which there's publicly available data and the month with the highest number of migrant encounters during the Biden administration. And that's how we got this number three, 234,088. So how does this compare to others? Well, there were just over 626,000 such crossings from January of 2020 to January of 2021. 626,000. And we've already, during a similar time period, looked at 234,000 in just Biden's administration. As with the economy, illegal immigration has real-world consequences. Polk County Sheriff's Office down in Florida, they arrested last Thursday an illegal immigrant who was charged with fleeing a car crash that killed a 21-year-old North Carolinian. The issue of migration was on the agenda at last week's Summit of the Americas in Los Angeles. But, you know, Joe put that thing on. That's why he went to California. And, of course, that big after-the-fact fundraiser. That Summit of the Americas in L.A., the presidents of Mexico, Honduras, Guatemala, and El Salvador. All our key partners in combating illegal immigration from Latin America, none of them even showed to the summit obviously snubbing Biden. Our next number, 39% approval. The president's approval rating reached an all-time low of 39%. That's according to a new morning consult poll. The poll also found his disapproval rating hit a new high of 58%. Experts noted Biden has a lower approval rating and a higher disapproval rating than Trump did at this point in his presidency. 
Other polls similarly put Biden's job approval rating in the low 40s, a steep decline from this time last year. One such poll has his approval rating at 33%. Other polls recently have shown a strong majority of Americans disapprove of the way he's handled the economy, the way he's handled or not handled gun violence, and of course illegal immigration. A new poll from Quinnipiac last week found that approval of Biden's job performance plummeted to 33%. More striking, however, the data shows just 22% of Americans age 18 to 34, 24% of Hispanic voters, and 49% of black voters say they approve of Biden's job performance. Each of those demographics is a critical voting block for Democrats. And our final number. 83% dissatisfied. The latest Gallup survey found that an astounding 83% of Americans are dissatisfied with the way things are going in the U.S. at this time. Only 16% of, of us Americans said that they're satisfied. Now, this followed an NBC News survey, which similarly found that 75% of Americans thought the country is on the wrong track. Just 21% of adults think the U.S. is going the right way. And that's coming from the Associated Press Center for Public Research. A Monmouth University poll from last month had a similar result. A stunning 79% of Americans think we're on the wrong track as a nation. So with inflation and political division raging, a new Wall Street Journal poll concluded the country is in a pessimistic mood, concern about the economy and lack of faith in the government has helped fuel our pessimism. Biden has at last kept his promise to unify the country. The vast majority of Americans agree this country is in real trouble. That's from pollster David Winston, president of the Winston Group and a longtime advisor to congressional Republicans. As a political matter, These numbers and these stories, they don't just affect Joe Biden. They could potentially affect dozens of members of Congress coming up this November. Indeed, it's normal for the president's party to lose House seats in midterm elections, but losses tend to be much steeper when the president is unpopular. That's according to Gallup. Gallup poll shows presidents with job approval ratings below 50%. They see their party lose an average of 37 House seats in the midterms. Meanwhile, presidents who have approval ratings above 50% see an average loss of just 14 seats. Given that President Biden's job approval is underwater in dozens of districts that he carried back in 2020, any Democrat sitting in a single-digit Biden seat, or a Trump seat for that matter, is at severe risk, and even a few seats Biden carried by 10 to 15 points could lose, particularly in those orphan states without competitive statewide races driving turnout. That's from David Wasserman of the Cook Political Report. Before the latest inflation and approval rating numbers, it'll probably be worse than that this week coming up. So in this political environment, you and I, we're seeing everything. We're living through it. Democrat pollsters and strategists are growing increasingly pessimistic, and they're expecting major Republican gains as all but inevitable in November. 
To make it worse for Biden and Democrats, election outcomes are more or less baked in by the end of the second quarter of an election year. So when would that be? January, February, March, April, May, June. In other words, we're in the last month of the second quarter. And in other words, what's probably looking ahead, what voters are thinking regarding their votes in November, it's probably already set in. And that does not pretend good for Democrats, including President Biden. Of course, things can always change, but the numbers don't look good right now. What's worse is that President Biden either doesn't know how bad the economic numbers are, or he knows but he keeps doubling down on stupid because he thinks Americans are too stupid to know what's going on. In either of those two cases, it doesn't matter which one, we have a really bad situation in our White House. There's no real solution until at the earliest, 2024. So forget about that R number, the one that they don't like to mention because it'll scare us to death regarding our economy, recession, recession, the R number. We'll go one step further. Do you think we can last till 2024 before we find ourselves in a depression, not recession? I think we've been in recession. I think we are in recession. And economists in a couple of months are going to look back and say, wow, boy, this really began in earnest around March one." I think we're in recession, and what we need to pray for is that we don't go to an all-out depression. Just when you think it's as bad as it could possibly get, we find out it's even worse. The Department of Labor said that its producer price index for final demand rose 0.8% in May compared with a month earlier. That's one month, almost 1% in one month. That represents an acceleration of monthly price gains from April when prices rose a downwardly revised 0.4% month over month. And the economists, the guys that are supposed to know, they expected an annual rise of 11%, a monthly increase of 0.8%. What does all that mean? It means it's not just the gas pump now. It's everything else. And let me tell you something we're going to do a peekaboo at in just a little bit. A food shortage. Don't even go there, Dan. Let me just say this. I will almost be willing to bet you hard money that before the end of this year, Americans, for the first time in my lifetime, we're going to be looking at food shortages. I'm talking about the real stuff where you can't buy milk or eggs or bread, or if you can have any opportunity to get them, they're going to be so limited. People will be fighting to get our hands on food. Now, where are you getting that? I've got real information. We're going to give you some statistics and some actual company names to verify what I just said. We're also going to listen right after this break. You're going to listen to Joe Biden. He even prophesied when he was campaigning what he was going to do. It shouldn't have come as any surprise to any of us. 
But there are so many Americans that are shocked. This has never happened before. It has, but not in most Americans' lifetimes. A little bit later, you're going to hear from Congresswoman Elise Stefanik from New York. She's looking over her shoulder. She was not even born when this inflation thing that we're seeing now and we're comparing it to 40 years ago. She wasn't even alive when that happened. There's a whole generation of leaders today that don't have a clue. And they're supporting policies that are taking us back to the oppression of the 70s all the way up until the early 80s. And it was bad. We have a lot in store for you. Don't go away. Hi, this is Jack, founder of Jack in the Box. Is the caller there? Mr. Box, Douglas Gopperts from Burger Week magazine. Oh, hey, Doug. Doug's a respected fast food critic. I recently dined on your sourdough Jack combo. And? Perfection. The cheese, the jumbo patty, the golden sourdough bread, the french fries. Bravo. Well, thank you. However, I found the dessert a bit dry. It doesn't come with dessert. The candy. The white, round candy with the happy face. Was it wearing a scarf? Yes, I believe it was. Rosy cheeks, fuzzy earmuffs? Yes, that's it. Douglas, you ate a holiday ball. <gasps> We're giving one away free to customers who buy a sourdough jack combo. But they're not for dessert. They're for antennas. Or a pencil. Right. Well, that's going to improve your score dramatically. Excellent. Here's good news. Even with high unemployment, there's still a need for hundreds of thousands of cybersecurity professionals in the U.S. right now. And my computer career is training people to help meet the demand. No IT experience? No problem. Take the free career evaluation today at mycomputercareer.edu. Start your new life as an IT pro in as little as four months. Grants covering up to 53% of the cost are available to those who qualify. It's not rocket science. It's mycomputercareer.edu. So it's this beautiful summer day, and while most guys would say, let's go to the beach, Donnie says, Hey, let's go to Pilgrim Furniture in Mattress City. They're having a warehouse sale. I say, are you serious? He says, your place needs furniture. And at the sale, you can get beautiful stuff and save 50, 60, even 80%. So we go to the Pilgrim Warehouse sale. I buy a sofa, a love seat, and this really cute dinette set. But the big thing is, we pick it out together, Donnie and me. Maybe this relationship is going somewhere. The Warehouse Sale at Pilgrim Furniture in Mattress City. Get not only the news, but the truth in the news. From TNN, the Truth News Network. Dan Newman. I hope you're having a good day so far. I, uh, I got a text just a little bit ago saying, hey, what's going on? You sound different. I got to be honest with you. Um, I've got a, uh, I guess what you call a spring or a summer chest cold. It kind of came on me yesterday. I got out late and it was hot, as I said, starting the show. Mowed the yard, weed the yard, and I think overnight I just got something. I breathed in that dust or whatever. It sounds a whole lot worse than it really is, but I thank, I thank you for even noticing <laughs> that I sound a little bit different today. Sometimes my voice gets in the tank anyway, but nevertheless, we're fine. So back to business as usual. I want to go back just a little bit in time. Um, the campaign run-up to the 2020 election. You remember that time? You remember what we heard? We had stark contrast every time we had a debate between Joe Biden and even before it was just Joe Biden when it was a bunch of uh, other Democrats that were all vying for the spot to take on Donald Trump in the general election. But specifically... Joe Biden, 
And he let every one of us know what his plans were if he was elected president. He never, he never even really tried to hide anything. And I guess he and other Democrats, they want us to forget about what he promised if he was elected president. No more subsidies for fossil fuel industry. No more drilling on federal lands. No more drilling, including offshore. No ability for the oil industry to continue to drill, period. Ends. Exxon made more money than God this year. Why aren't they drilling? Because they make more money not producing more oil. Exxon, start investing. Start paying your taxes. All right, you had candidate Biden declaring war on the fossil fuel industry, of course, to appease the climate change crowd. He kept his promise, and crude oil costs have skyrocketed. Uh, It will go down, in my mind, as one of the biggest acts of presidential economic sabotage in history. I mean, come on. Why go to war with one of the most successful industries in your country? The same industry that powers our military, the same industry that takes parents to work, children to see grandma on the weekends. It's the same ministry that lifts Air Force One off the ground. I just can't understand why he did that. I mean, yeah, I know for votes, but ironically, not even Congresswoman Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez seems like she's approving. She seems pretty iffy on Biden 2024, which, by the way, means that she's just joined the majority of the nation. Uh, There are a lot of numbers out there, a lot of red ink that are contributing to this market sell-off. But make no mistake, folks, uh, it is a no-confidence vote on Jay Powell, Secretary Janet Yellen, and yes, on President Biden. So messaging itself, it doesn't work. Right now, what we need is corrective action on the fiscal side and on the Federal Reserve side, because everyone is suffering. By the way, the climate change crowd, <laughs> it, it, it's got to be, uh, you know, sort of, you can appease them later. But right now, you need to appease everyone in this nation, uh, because we are really hurting. We see all the red on the screen, and we saw what happened. We went to the gas stations this weekend. It was an unnecessary, unforced error, and we can still fix it, at least in my mind. When asking the question, who's responsible for all this insanity? For many conservatives, most conservatives, most people that are in the business world, in other words, they are looking to have the resources to make payroll, pay the bills just to keep the doors open. People like us, we know where the responsibility lies. And we don't just look at what's right in front of our faces. We look at all the ancillary things going on. There's some um, pretty scary news out there. And uh, I think it's critical that we look at it. Do you know, and you heard me say going into that first break, we're going to have a food shortage. We're facing a food shortage. And it's not just about losing that wheat that comes from Ukraine because of the Russian invasion of Ukraine. 97 plants of various kinds that are directly involved in our food industry. 97 American plants have either been destroyed, damaged, or impacted in major ways by accidental fires, disease, or general causes. 97. Now, don't think I'm kidding. Let me give you, I'm not going to read all 97 of these tell you what we'll do. We'll put it at the bottom of today's story after the show's over at truthnewsnet.org. Let me just give you a few. January 11th of 2021, a fire destroyed 75,000 square foot processing plant in Fayetteville. April 30th, 21, a fire ignited inside the Smithfield Foods pork processing plant in Monmouth, Illinois. July 25th, 21, 
three-alarm fire at Kellogg plant in Memphis. 170 emergency personnel responded to the call. Five days later, firefighters battled a large fire at Tyson's River Valley Ingredients Plant in Hansville, Alabama. August 23rd, fire crews were called to the Potek Meat Production Company on Ewing Road in Austell. September 13, 21, a fire at the JBS Beef Plant in Grand Island, Nebraska, forced a halt to slaughter and fabrication lines. October 13, 2021, a five-alarm fire ripped through the Derigold Butter Production Plant in Caldwell, Idaho. November 15th, a woman in custody following a fire at the Girard County Food Pantry. November 29th of 21, a fire broke out around 5.30 p.m. at the Made Right Steak Company Meat Processing Plant. December 13th, Westside Food Processing Plant in San Antonio left with smoke damage after a fire. And then we're in 2022, January 7th, damage to a poultry processing plant on Hamilton's Mountain following an overnight fire. January 13th, firefighters worked for 12 hours to put out a fire at the Cargill Neutrina plant in LeCount, Louisiana. January 31st, a fertilizer plant with 600 tons of ammonium nitrate inside caught on fire on Cherry Street in Winston-Salem. Ammonium nitrate used in fertilizer, 600 tons, gone. February 3rd this year, a massive fire swept through Wisconsin River Meats in Mauston, Wisconsin. February 3rd, same day, at least 130 cows were killed in a fire at Percy Farm in Stowe, Vermont. February 15th, Bonanza Meat Company goes up in flames in El Paso. Same day, nearly a week after the fire destroyed most of the Shearer's food plants in Hermiston. Next day, February 16th, the fire broke out at the U.S.'s largest soybean processing and biodiesel plant in Claypool, Indiana. Two days later, an early morning fire tore through the milk parlor at Bestview Farm. The next day, three people injured, one hospitalized after an ammonia leak at Lincoln Premium Poultry in Fremont. Three days later, the Shearer's Foods plant in Hermiston caught fire after a propane boiler exploded. February 28th, the smoldering pile of sulfur quickly became a raging chemical fire at Nutrien Ag Solutions. Same day, a man was hurt after a fire broke out at the Shadowbrook Farm and Dutch Girl Creamery. March 4th, 294,800 chickens destroyed at a farm in Stoddard, Missouri. The same day, 644,000 chickens destroyed at an egg farm in Cecil, Maryland. Four days later, a quarter of a million chickens destroyed at an egg farm in Newcastle, Delaware. Two days later, 663,400 chickens destroyed at an egg farm in Cecil, Maryland. That same day, 915,000 chickens destroyed at an egg farm in Taylor, Iowa. Four days later, a fire at 244 Meadow Drive was discovered shortly after 5 p.m. by farm owner Wayne Hoover, another chicken farm. Same day, 2,750,000 chickens destroyed at an egg farm in Jefferson, Wisconsin. Two days later, a fire at Walmart Warehouse Distribution Center cast a large plume of smoke visible throughout Indianapolis. 
Same day, Nestle food plant extensively damaged in fire, new production destroyed in Jonesboro, Arkansas. In the month of March, I'm looking, I'm not even going to go into the details, but going from where we were down to the end of March, one day, 5,347,500 chickens destroyed, 147,600 destroyed, 315,000 destroyed, 172,000 turkeys destroyed, 570,000 chickens. Firefighters from numerous towns battling a major fire at McCrum Potato Processing Facility. It goes on and on and on. All of these. You can't just act like nothing that happened is going to impact our food sources. Tens of millions of chickens this year across the nation in a multitude of ways. Most of it is from disease. They're gone. I'm not trying to scare you. I'm trying to let you know we're in the middle of something that is bigger than just Joe Biden. Is all of this just happenstance? I just don't think. 97 different cases in different parts of the United States that these kind of things just happen. It's never happened this way before. What's different? I don't know. And I'm not a conspirator. I'm not going down that road. But I'm telling you, we need to get set because in the second half of this year, which we're about to start, there's going to be a food shortage. Now, does that mean we need to panic and go out and start grabbing non-perishables and locking them up so nobody can get to them because you're going to need them late in the year? I'm not saying that at all. But what I am saying is we need to be more astute, more aware of where we are and why we're where we are, what has happened, but not to place blame, to fix these problems and get us going down the right road. We're nowhere near going down the right road. You know who's getting hurt the worst across the nation? Small business owners. I am one of those. Small business owners in America are feeling their gloomiest in nearly 50 years. The National Federation of Independent Business said that its gauge of businesses expecting better business conditions over the next six months has fallen to the worst reading in the 48-year history of doing that survey. And this measure's previous all-time high was set two months ago. Inflation continues to be the biggest problem for small businesses. 28% of owners report it is their single most important problem in operating their companies. That's below the 32% recorded in April, the highest reading since the fourth quarter of 1980. Inflation continues to outpace compensation, which has reduced real incomes across the nation. Small business owners remain very pessimistic about the second half of the year as supply chain disruptions, inflation, and the labor shortages are not easy. The net percent of owners raising average selling prices increased two points to a net 72% back to the highest reading in the 48-year history of the survey last reach in March. This reading is up 40 percentage points since May of last year. 
It's not people that are out there that are looking for OMGs. We got to find out a way to blame somebody for politics. That's not what this is all about, folks. It's not. It's about finding out the facts of what's going on. Now, let me blow your mind with another set of facts. Have you ever heard of DEF fluid, D-E-F fluid? After this story, you're not going to forget what DEF fluid is and what's going on. DEF fluid, D-E-F, is short for diesel exhaust fluid. So unless you're in commercial trucking or you have a bus, you probably don't know this, but every diesel truck that's been made since 2010 is required now to use DEF fluid. What is it? Well, it's a product made of 67% urea fertilizer and 33% distilled water. Every diesel truck you see driving down the road today has to have this product to even crank their engines. The engines won't start without it. There are regulators inside the engine that mix DEF with the diesel to reduce diesel emissions. That's the purpose of DEF, D-E-F. Thank you, thank you, climate activists. Right now, listen, Russia is the largest exporter of urea by a wide margin. Cut or a second. Egypt and China are tied for third. Both Russia and China, guess what? They're no longer exporting urea. On top of that, India is the largest manufacturer of urea in the world, even though they consume most of what they make. What little they would export, they stopped doing that. They are now stopping the exportation of any and all urea, minus a deal they just cut with Sri Lanka, of all places. What does this mean for you and me? Well, first, the United States imports most of its urea fertilizer. We're the third largest importer on the globe. We depend on other countries to eat, drive, and ship all our products. Secondly, and this is the one that blows my mind, Flying J is the largest service provider for truckers around the United States. I know you've seen their big, massive gas stations along the interstates. Flying J gets 70% of their DEF fluid from shipments through Union Pacific Railroad. UP, Union Pacific, has single-user access to the fertilizer plants that urea DEF fluid comes from. No other rail provider has access to these distribution points. So what does that mean? Well, no other rail provider can do it. Flying J can't just go around Union Pacific. Union Pacific is in charge. And I'm going to tell you what that means in just a second. Flying J provides 30% of all DEF consumed in the U.S. Union Pacific has told Flying J, you got to reduce your shipments by a whopping 50%. And if they don't comply, they're going to be completely embargoed. That would, in effect, bankrupt Flying J. This means that 15% of all DEF consumed by truckers in the nation is no longer available at the largest travel service center for the entire trucking industry. You remember the story of how Rome died. They rotted from the inside out. 
it was easily invaded because it was occupied with all of its internal problems. It appears that we have discovered the trigger for us, deaf fluid. If this holds up, deaf shortages will be the catalyst that causes food shortages in the coming months. We're not talking about next year. We're talking about in the coming months. Not only is there a shortage of fertilizer to grow crops in drought-stricken states, but now it looks like, unless the federal government intervenes through the Defense Production Act, which I'm no longer confident they will. Why? Because of Joe Biden. He never plans. He never looks ahead. He only reacts. And at his position as the commander-in-chief of our military and the guy who's running the nation, reacting is too late. And I think it's too late right now. There simply isn't going to be deaf fluid sufficient to keep the engines running. Home Depot, right now today, they have limited the amount of deaf that you can buy at Home Depot. I would think long and hard about the decisions you're making right now. Where you live. What you spend your money on. How do you prepare? I'll tell you how real this is. The CEO of Flying J, Shamik Konar, was summoned to a surface transportation board hearing to give them all this info. BlackRock. You know who BlackRock is. It's the biggest private equity firm on the planet. It owns a little piece of every company you can think of. Guess what? BlackRock is the majority shareholder of Union Pacific Railroad. Now, what does that mean? America's biggest fertilizer producer is CF Industries. Their largest shareholder is BlackRock. BlackRock controls the fertilizer industry in the U.S. Union Pacific has exclusive rights to distribution points of fertilizer. Urea is fertilizer. Flying J needs urea def. BlackRock is controlling everything. The chairman of BlackRock Investment Institute is Tom Donilon, President Obama's former national security advisor. Tom Donilon's brother, Mike Donilon, is a senior advisor to Joe Biden. Tom Donilon's wife, Catherine Russell, is the White House personnel director. Tom Donilon's daughter, Sarah Donilon, who graduated college in 2019, now works on the White House National Security Council. It looks like BlackRock is spearheading the dismantling of the U.S. system, starting with everything to do with our food. Don't diminish what you're hearing. It's not time to panic. It's time to prepare. We're Americans. We can do that. And we need to get started doing that right now, hopefully. We didn't wait too long to figure it out. Real Truth, Real News, TNN, the Truth News Network. Hi, welcome to the Subway ad for the $3.99 six-inch sub of the day. How do you want it? Secret DJ set. At a retirement home? Weird, I like it. DJ sandwich in the house. What did he say? Italian BMT $3.99. I called the EMT? Turkey breast. Nine. Bingo! 
time at participating shops. Prices and subs included may vary. Additional charge for extras plus tax. No additional discounts or coupons applied. A divorce lawyer should be more than just a lawyer. Divorce is like no other experience, especially for guys. At Cordell and Cordell, our clients want a partner standing next to them, someone they can trust, someone who understands where they are and how to get them out. We are the attorneys of Cordell and Cordell. We are advisors and advocates for men before, during, and after divorce. We are Cordell and Cordell, a partner men can count on. To schedule your appointment, give us a call or visit us online at CordellCordell.com. In every age, a technology is created that upends the foundations of society. The wheel, the printing press, the internet. Now, in a world sliding into financial chaos, a new technology is changing the way monetary systems work around the world. It is called Bitcoin. Bitcoin is a new form of money, controlled not by banks, governments, or corporations, but through mutual commerce between free individuals. To learn more, visit WeUseCoins.com. Nowadays, it's more important than ever to know the value of a dollar, or three, or four, or five, or even six. New Dunkin' Go-To's, now with brews. Tasty breakfast combos that give you more bang for your bucks. Get a wake-up wrap with sausage and a medium-hot coffee for $3. A bagel with cream cheese spread and a medium-hot coffee for $4. A bacon, egg, and cheese croissant with a medium-hot coffee for $5. Or a power breakfast sandwich and, you guessed it, a medium-hot coffee for $6. Dunkin' Go-To's, now with brews. America runs on Dunkin'. Participation may vary. Exclusion apply. Limited time offer. tell you i'm not hitting the panic button i'm just not going there i'm uh i'm a guy that uh i've always felt like my glass is half full not half empty and i look at everything in my life that way can we dig ourselves out of this there's no doubt we can now based on what uh do i have the faith that that is a reality that we actually can do we are the united states of america Whenever anything big comes up like that and it's just consuming all the media airspace and everybody's tempted to go, OMG, the sky is falling. We're going to die. We're going to die. I hearken back to World War II. And I've mentioned this on this show before. In World War II, do you realize that we started that war in Europe? We didn't start the war there, but we went over as Hitler began to invade other countries outside of Germany and Europe to help our allies. And in the middle of that, now this is back in the early 1940s, in the middle of all that, what happens? On the other side of the world, the Japanese get this idea they're going to invade the United States. And so they do their deal to start World War II in the Pacific. So we're at the same time, we're fighting wars against tyranny, one in Europe and one in the Pacific. And we won in both of those locations. Do you think people were a little bit panicked when all of that began? I mean, think about it. It was just years after a real depression in the United States, which changed everything economically. Things that people, Americans, thought would never happen, lost everything. And it wasn't because they did anything wrong. It was because of an economic depression Guys, we are dangerously close to parallel circumstances as our great-grandparents and grandparents faced last century. And I don't think we're any smarter. I don't think we're any better than they were. 
Why do I say that? Because they didn't, in large part, run around like chickens with their heads cut off, screaming and hollering, oh me, oh me. They faced what they had to face, and they got it done. And I think we can do that. But we can't do that unless and until we come up with the big answer for the big thing that is in our faces every day. And what is that? Well, right now, besides losing 97 different fertilizer, animal production plants in just a year, in spite of that, in spite of the fact that it looks like BlackRock is going to be, if they're not already, in control of the transmission of everything to do with food across the United States. Besides all that, we've got leadership right now that will not admit there's even a problem. Inflation is a personal economic experience. Every time you pay for something, you take notice because the price of just about everything is going straight up. It can come as quite a shock. On Sunday morning in New Jersey, I bought four small items. Eight small tomatoes, $6.99. Blueberries, $6.99. A small loaf of bread, six twenty-nine, and a pint of milk, a dollar eighty-nine. Total out-the-door cost, twenty-two sixteen. A year ago, those same items in the same store would have cost maybe fifteen bucks. We're getting worse off. Rapid price hikes erode your standard of living. The president is clueless. On Friday at the docks in Los Angeles, he blamed shipping companies. He tried to turn anger at inflation into anger at corporations. Roll tape. Every once in a while, something you learn makes you viscerally angry. Like if you had the person in front of you, you'd want to pop them. No, I really mean it. I really mean it. You want to pop them. In the absence of an effective policy, the president turns nasty. Okay, you've been shocked at the grocery store and shocked at the gas station. Now open your 401k. Another shock. The market sell-off has probably cut your pension money by maybe 30%. I expect the president to blame the Federal Reserve. But who will voters blame? 147 days to the November 8th elections, who are they going to blame? Who are we going to blame? Well, don't point your finger at the White House. What do you mean, Dan? That's where all the policies, the economic policies, come from that are running the nation. Well, let me tell you where the White House is in their thinking. They defended Joe Biden's economic record yesterday. They defended it in public. In the middle of the nation experiencing historic inflation, gas prices over five bucks a gallon, and the stock market falling out of the sky. White House Press Secretary Karine Jean-Pierre argued yesterday, President Biden, listen to this, he actually made historic economic gains. And she said it would help the American people go through these economic challenges. She blamed inflation. Prices in May, 8.6% higher than a year earlier. The greatest increase since 1981. She blamed it on COVID-19, the pandemic, and on Vladimir Putin's war in the Ukraine. She said, quote, you know, with this price high inflation coming, coming out every once in a generation, global pandemic, all of those things play a factor. But she argued America will bounce back under Joe Biden. Quote, 
the American people are well positioned to face these challenges. Why? Because of the economic historic gains that we have made under this president in the last six months. Oh my gosh, we're in great shape. Voters, however, don't seem to be buying that argument. They consistently give Biden low marks for handling of the economy. The administration has consistently blamed high prices of gas, food, and housing on Russia, calling them Putin's price hike. We're not the only country dealing with what we're seeing at the moment as this relates to inflation, Jean-Pierre said. That seems to be the calling card. They will not take responsibility for anything. Joe Biden has not accepted responsibility for anything. He doesn't even think these two and a half million illegal immigrants coming across the border at our southern border, he doesn't take responsibility for that. In fact, he's got a lot of history. He learned from one of the best, the eight years of the Obama-Biden uh, administration. They claimed everything good that happened, everything good that happened, what little there was, it was because of them. And anything bad that happened, they blamed it on Bush 43. Biden's just doing what he does, what he learned to do with Barack Obama. There have been reports the Federal Reserve may surprise buyers with a larger-than-expected three-quarters of a percentage point interest rate increase at their meeting this week to try to combat record inflation levels. Many experts feel like the Fed waited too long. They raised rates by half a percentage point last month, and that was the first such increase since 2000 to a range between 0.75 and 1%. The Fed last raised rates by 0.75 percentage point at a meeting in 1994. Why did they do it then? To combat inflation. Meanwhile, yesterday, Standards and Poor 500 closed in a bear market. That means it's down, down 4% yesterday. It closed down more than 20% from its January high for the first time since 2020. The Dow fell 3%, or about 875 points, while the NASDAQ composite declined almost 5%. Jean-Pierre, of course, said the White House, we're watching the stock market closely. We're watching. We know families are concerned about inflation in the stock market. That is something that the president is really aware of. Biden's average approval rating on gas prices, somewhere between 25 and 30 percent. On inflation, it's somewhere between 25 and 30 (laughs) percent. We know that higher prices are having a real effect on people's lives. We get that. We're incredibly focused on doing everything that we can to make sure the economy is working. We're coming out of the strongest job market in American history. And that matters. And that a lot of that is thanks to the American Rescue Plan, which only Democrats voted for, that Republicans did not. And it led to this, this economic growth, the historic economic boom that we're seeing. And I believe in Santa Claus and the Tooth Fairy. I know because we're close friends. That's how ridiculous this message is that's coming from the White House that's coming from the White House. Now remember this. Remember what then 
candidate Joe Biden said. No more subsidies for fossil fuel industry. No more drilling on federal lands. No more drilling, including offshore. No ability for the oil industry to continue to drill, period. Ends. Exxon made more money than God this year. Why aren't they drilling? Because they make more money not producing more oil. Exxon, start investing. Start paying your taxes. That's Joe Biden, the president of the United States. That's what he campaigned to do. Day one as president, he started the unwinding of the entire fossil fuel industry. And the excuses that he gives for that, oh, nobody told them to stop drilling. They just decided because they're evil big oil companies, all they want is to gouge the American public. It's them, it's them, it's them. No, he created an environment. He is the freaking president of the United States. And when that guy says, I am going to single-handedly kill the fossil fuel industry, he doesn't even understand how it works. He thinks that, oh, all you do is you find an empty patch of ground, you go out and punch a hole, you spend 10 to $20 million to do that, and you pray there's oil underneath, and that in just a couple of days you're going, you're flowing oil to these plants to be refined and it comes gasoline and diesel. That's not the way it works. It doesn't happen overnight. He forgets that he's also the god of the Environmental Protection Agency. That's the agency that wants to put their fingers of approval on anything anybody does. You remember those little fish out in California? Do you know why California is so dry now? Because what used to happen in the Central Valley, California is basically two different slivers of ground from top to bottom. There's the mountains in the middle. On the left side of the mountains is everything that flows down to the Pacific Ocean. On the right side of the mountain is everything that flows down to the Central Valley where most of the produce in America has always come from. Do you remember the story of the smelt? The way the Central Valley has always gotten its water for irrigation to grow all those crops is when the snow melts in the mountains, a bunch of that water was taken and it was moved towards the east to irrigate all those ranches and farms, hundreds of miles down the Central Valley. And some of the climatologists found a little fish that was becoming extinct. Nobody had ever heard of it. I'd never heard of it in my life, and I've fished my entire life. The smelt. And so they stopped the irrigation coming out of the mountains, the water that was going to the Central Valley. And every day, about 100 million gallons of fresh water now that used to go to the Central Valley, it goes west. And you know where it ends up? in the Pacific Ocean. Farmers in the Central Valley every day, every week, every month for the last decade have fought to keep their existence to create food for all of us. And they can't get water to irrigate their crops because of the smelt. No, it's not because of the smelt. It's because of policies like coming out of this this White House. Yesterday, In that same press briefing, Corinne Jean-Pierre laughed off a question 
about the physical and the mental well-being of this president. In an interview with CNN's Don Lamont, Jean-Pierre responded with surprise and told Lamont that a question about Biden's physical and mental capabilities should not even be asked. Don asked her this, does the president have the stamina physically and mentally, do you think, to continue on even after 2024? Corinne said, Don, you're asking me this question? Oh my gosh, he's the president of the United States. Don Lamont again, does the president have the stamina physically and mentally to continue on even after 24? And her response, that's not a question we should be even asking. She laughed and then told Damon that she, 47, sometimes struggles to keep up with Biden, who's 79. <laughs> That's not a question we should even be asking. Just look at the work he does. Look how he's delivering for the American people. Then she brushed off some criticism from a New York Times report surfaced earlier this week questioning Biden's mental capabilities as heresy and not what we care about. That article quoted several very prominent Democrats who are asking the question, is Biden the best choice to lead the party into the 2024 election? I can tell you this, if I was a Democrat, if I was an active Democrat, I would be crying every day, screaming to the mountaintops. This guy is who got us in the fix we're in. Don't think for a second Americans don't understand If you don't change something, nothing changes. We need to fix this stuff. And this guy not only isn't fixing it, he thinks what he's doing is good. Jean-Pierre, she added in this interview, we care about how we are going to deliver for the American people, how we're going to make their lives better. That's what this president talks about. That's his focus. And that's what will continue to focus on. Just as a reminder, remember, Joe Biden became the oldest individual ever elected to serve the White House in November of 2020, could look to break the record should he decide to seek re-election in two years. Concerns about his age and his ability to lead even the Democrat Party, yet alone the nation, come in the middle of a gap-filled administration where the president would make a seemingly new policy announcement only for members of his staff to say, hey, 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 wait a minute. He didn't really mean that. Let me tell you what he really meant. Over the last couple of months, he expressed a U.S. readiness to go to war with both Russia and China before folks in his administration said the country would not be shifting its international strategies. And then in May... Last month, he said he would send troops to Taiwan and defend it from potential Chinese aggression to fulfill the commitment we made. And then later, the White House said, Oh, hey, he didn't really mean that. We haven't made such a commitment, and the U.S. would maintain strategic ambiguity in regard to Taiwan. Almost within days, Biden also said Vladimir Putin cannot remain in power. Remember that one? Boy, the comment immediately spurred backlash as it sounded like Biden was explicitly calling for somebody somewhere to kick Putin out of office. 
but his staff later clarified the president was not calling for regime change. Let's go back another couple of months. In April, he noticeably struggled to read through a teleprompter-guided speech about Russian oligarchs and new sanctions that the U.S. would be enacting. We're going to seize their yachts, their luxury homes, and all their ill-begotten gains of Putin's klepta, klepta, yeah, kleptocracy. The guys who are the kleptocracies, ha, 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 he said. He couldn't even come up with the name for them. He told U.S. service members in Poland that they would be sent to fight in Ukraine. He said, you're going to see when you're there, he told the troops, prompting the White House. Uh, we got to clarify the administration. The administration would not be sending troops to fight in the Ukraine-Russia war. These concerns about Biden have also extended to House Speaker Nancy Pelosi. She's 82. Senate Majority Leader Chuck Schumer, 71. So on the Republican side of the aisle of the American gerontocracy, former President Donald Trump, frontrunner right now for the GOP nomination in 2024, he'll be 78. Senate Minority Leader Mitch McConnell is 80. I'll just throw this out there. Republican Florida Governor Ron DeSantis, he's only 43. He's only 43. So let's get off the economy. First hour in 10 minutes. It's important. It's critical. And I think those of you that come here every day, you know that we don't just get on something and dig, 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 dig. There are a lot of other important things. But folks, there's nothing as important to the United States right now as getting control of the economic woes and getting whatever needs to be changed, getting it changed. Because we're doubling and tripling and quadrupling down on stupid every day. And you and I and every other American are living in the results of decisions that are made, not by us, not by those that we elect to go to Washington, D.C. and represent us in Congress, by the president. And if he can't get the stuff that he wants passed through Congress, almost without exception, he pulls out the pen and he just issues an executive order. And he says, in some cases, or at least whoever's sticking that EO down there for him to sign, they're saying, uh, go ahead and let's put this out there. We'll initiate it, and they're going to challenge it in court. But even if they get it stopped, we'll have six months or maybe even nine months to a year to just work it, push it hard. And by the time they get it reversed in court, we'll be way, way down the road, and we will not have to unwind it because it'll be too late. Ten to the ten to the ten to the ten. Ten to the ten to the ten to the ten ten ten. Planet Fitness, through the use of motivating montage music, has made it easy to join. Just remember ten ten ten. For ten days, sign up for ten dollars and pay just ten bucks a month after that. Hurry, you only have until November 10th to take advantage of this Planet Fitness offer. Planet Fitness on 42nd Street next to Shopco. Tim, 
may not be able to lower the cost of gas, but we can do something about how many miles you will drive per gallon. Stop by your local O'Reilly Auto Parts store today and let us help you increase the performance of your car or truck. Simple things like replacing your air filter, changing worn-out spark plugs, and using fuel injector cleaner can add up to better fuel economy and big savings. There's an O'Reilly Auto Parts store close to you that has the name brands, low prices, and people who can help. Restore lost fuel economy and eliminate rough idle with Lucas Fuel Injector Cleaner. Right now at O'Reilly Auto Parts, buy two and get one free. Lucas Fuel Injector Cleaner quickly cleans clogged injectors to increase fuel efficiency and help your vehicle run smooth. Lucas Fuel Injector Cleaner, buy two, get one free at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Better parts, better prices every day. Limit supply, see store for details. I'm Papa John, pizza maker. The quality of every ingredient is important to me. Like the sweet, juicy pineapple and pulled ham hock that refreshes a pizza classic. Introducing our new premium Hawaiian, another Papa John's original. Like all our pizzas, it comes with Papa's quality guarantee. Try something new with a third off your order. Better ingredients, better pizza, Papa John's. Married to the truth, divorced from the lies, fighting for the future. TNN, the Truth News Network. Truthnewsnet.org. And again, Dan Newman. We're in it for the future, and it's worth fighting for. This nation, number one on the planet, number one in world history, it needs to remain in that role. We have a lot of worldwide responsibility that we need to keep straight. And we're trying to do that in the middle of this pandemonium. It's like confusion is everywhere. We can't get a straight answer from anybody in leadership. And when we hear something out there, immediately the left pile on and try to denigrate whoever, not about what they said, what they claimed, but denigrate the speaker so we don't even have the right to even consider the things they tell us unless those things fall in direct line with the mantra of the left. Remember this? The Trump era brought us a bunch of examples in which Democrats, bureaucrats, the establishment news media, they come up with sensational tale after sensational tale. And every one of them turned out to be false. Remember the Russia collusion story? It wasn't a collusion. The 51 security experts who wrongly claimed Hunter Biden's laptop was in misinformation. Russia disinformation is what they said. And then the Ukraine quid pro quo phone call that neither had a quid nor a quo and the Moscow bounties on U.S. troops' heads that never happened. And we've got another one right now. The January 6th panel, led in part by the Russian collusion advocate Representative Adam Schiff, Democrat of California, He's been called on the carpet for falsely suggesting that one Republican lawmaker ran a reconnaissance mission inside the Capitol for January 6th protesters the day before the riot. Ironically, the guy who blew the whistle is the new Capitol Police Chief J. Thomas Manger. He got his job on House Speaker Nancy Pelosi's watch, but he handed Republicans vindication on an allegation they claimed long claimed, was a smear. Manger wrote in a letter Monday to Congress, which we got a look at, 
that an exhaustive review of security footage found no evidence that Republican Representative Barry Loudermilk of Georgia did anything other than give some constituents a tour of some of the congressional office buildings. The office buildings, not the Capitol. In fact, the chief said the congressman didn't even enter the Capitol with that group. There is no evidence that Representative Loudermilk entered the U.S. Capitol with this group on January 5th. He wrote that in a letter to Representative Rodney Davis, a Republican from Illinois, who is the ranking Republican on the House Administration Committee. We train our officers on being alert for people conducting surveillance or reconnaissance. We did not consider any of the activities we observed as suspicious. Republicans that are weary of getting falsely accused and vindicated months later, they pounced on his letter. All I can think of is this is a Soviet-style propaganda trial, like a show trial. That's Claudia Tenney, a representative from New York, spent time working in communist Yugoslavia early in her career. They put this tape together using propaganda, selected words, and clauses cut and pasted to smear the people they want to smear and to get the outcome that they want. Representative Rodney Davis, who was the Illinois Republican who pressed Capitol Police to review the evidence and clear Congressman Loudermilk, Davis said Democrats who besmirched his colleague's name need to face accountability before the House Ethics Committee. These Democrats need to be ashamed of themselves, he said. Former Georgia Rep. Doug Collins, who played a role unraveling the Russia collusion narrative, he said Democrats have reached the political limits of the proverbial boy-cry-wolf tale, and it's time for their enablers in the mainstream media to push back. Yeah, fat chance. <laughs> Some of the biggest names in media reported louder milk allegations when they surfaced. I'm wondering how many of these political writers, like the New York Times, the Washington Post, all these folks, are actually lining up to give retractions, Collins said. Let's just be honest. They buy any narrative they can to impugn conservative congressmen, to malign Donald Trump, to make this event that they're trying to pin basically on the conservative movement. And they're willing, in doing that, to destroy lives, you know, really to do it without actually investigating, without reporting, and certainly not presenting facts to the American people. This tale, the Loudermilk tale, it gives a case study on how an unsubstantiated claim can spread from one congressperson to the next, requiring weeks before officials knock it down with facts and evidence. Manger's letter directly undercuts those allegations that were made a month ago. By who? Benny Thompson. You know the name? He's the African-American representative from Mississippi who's chairing this committee. And then, of course, there's Liz Cheney, Republican from Wyoming, the chairman and vice chairwoman of the Democrat-led January 6th committee. They sent a letter released to the media in May demanding that Loudermilk volunteer testimony and explain why he was giving a tour of the Capitol the day before the riots, suggesting that could be part of an effort to help case the Capitol building before the January 6th protest. Based on our review of evidence in the select committee's possession, we believe you have information regarding a tour you led through parts of the Capitol complex on January 5th. 
That's a letter signed by Cheney and Thompson. The foregoing information raises questions to which the select committee must seek answers. Public reporting and witness accounts indicate some individuals and groups engaged in efforts to gather information about the layout of the Capitol, as well as the House and Senate office buildings in advance of January 6, 2021. The two cited an earlier letter written by Democrat Representative Mikey Sherrill that alleged some Republican lawmakers gave tours that day that involved, quote, suspicious behavior and access and appeared to give defendants who stormed the Capitol the next day an unusually detailed knowledge of the layout of the Capitol complex. The presence of these groups within the Capitol complex was indeed suspicious. That's in Cheryl's letter. Manger's letter unequivocally cleared Representative Loudermilk, noting his constituent group of 12 to 15 people never even reached the Capitol, did not even enter the tunnels from the adjacent office buildings. Instead, they visited an exhibit in the Rayburn House office building. At no time did the group appear in any tunnels that would have led them to the Capitol. In addition, he said, the tunnels leading to the Capitol were posted with U.S. Capitol Police officers and admittance to the U.S. Capitol without a member of Congress wasn't permitted that day, January 5th. Davis lambasted Democrats for using the media to smear his colleague's name before they had proof of any wrongdoing, adding Manger confirmed from video footage what his own investigation had found weeks earlier. This is what we knew all along. We knew there was no Republican who led anybody who breached the Capitol on a reconnaissance tour leading up to that January 6th insurrection. I had my team go through the tapes back in January to verify that because of my colleagues, Mikey Sherrill, she started this rumor that somehow Republicans were taking people on reconnaissance tours. She said she used her military training to recognize it. Well, you know what? There's no evidence, none, that that's ever happened. Davis said those who proffered the allegation should be held accountable by the House Ethics Committee. That is behavior unbecoming of a member of Congress, and you ought to be held accountable for that. So, Benny Thompson, Liz Cheney, their spokesperson, did not respond. (laughs) I know this surprises you. They didn't respond to that comment. You know, every day, something comes out that you just... SMH, you just shake my head. You can't even come up with an explanation for it. And then watching the little bits, the little pieces of this January 6th committee hearing, I didn't watch any of the live show last week. I watched maybe five minutes of yesterday's. All it is, folks, is Democrats up there very obviously, they have one objective, only one. It's to denigrate. Donald Trump, they are horrified that Donald Trump would even consider putting his name in the hat again in 2024. And they don't even want to try to talk him out of doing that. I think they figure out the guy is pretty strong-willed and that if he decides he's going to run for president, by jingos, he's going to run for president, he doesn't give a rip what they think. Listen, if the guy farted in a crowded bus 
We'd know about it. We would know the day it happened, the name of the people, that every person that was on the bus when he farted, and we'd know who got sick from his fart, whether it was true or not. That's how intricate and detailed these sycophants from the left are. It's not about finding out anything bad that happened on January 6th. If they were trying to do that, they would ask the initial questions that we've asked here for months and months and months. Why did Nancy Pelosi and Muriel Bowser, the mayor of Washington, D.C., why did they tell the National Guard, those 20,000 National Guard troopers that President Trump requested would be in D.C.? They told them not to come. Why did they not have the Capitol Police Force in its entirety called out and none of those were carrying guns for the first half of the insurrection? Nobody's asking that. Nobody's holding anybody that was really responsible. Nobody's holding them responsible. They're trying to go before the American public. What they're doing is they're trying to salvage their sinking ship because Democrats in mass across the country are bailing out of the Democrat Party and are even coming across the aisle re-registering as Republicans. This committee hearing, it's about one thing and one thing only. It's about Donald Trump and keeping him out of office. I think there's one more little tidbit that uh, we're, we're, we're missing. And what is that? It would be there is purpose there. We don't know what the purpose is, but there is purpose there. And what, oh what, can we do about it? I mentioned as we began the show, you were going to hear from New York Representative Elise Stefanik. She's with Trey Gowdy on Fox News, and they talked about what can we do about this inflation thing? Let me start just by asking you, how did we, how did we get here? 1.4% inflation to now a 40-year high. How did we get here? Well, first of all, this Congress, under unified far-left Democrat government, you have Democrats controlling the Senate, the House, and the White House. They have spent more taxpayer dollars than any other Congress in our nation's history. We're talking trillions and trillions of dollars. And economists of both parties, both Republican and Democrat economists like Larry Summers, warned that this endless amount of spending would lead to rampant historic inflation. And, of course, that's what we're seeing. And while Joe Biden is attempting to pass the buck. The American people are very smart. They understand that where they were before he took office, you said, was 1.4 percent inflation. Now that we're at the highest rate of inflation since my lifetime, since 1981. I was born in 1984. And they understand that this is directly a result of the failed tax and spend policies. This is the number one issue no matter where I go in my district in upstate New York in the North Country or no matter who I talk to across this country. It's the number one driving issue because people are struggling to pay their bills on a weekly and monthly basis. All right, Elise, you're in the minority now, and I know you do not like to look forward, and you don't want me to talk about retaking the House, but I'm going to ask you a hypothetical. If the GOP retakes the House, you may or may not have the Senate, but you're definitely not going to have the White House. So realistically, can you do anything to make things better if you take the House, and if so, what? 
Absolutely. This is going to be one of our number one priorities. So number one, Trey, have a hearing on inflation. Hear firsthand from families like I hear on a regular basis in my district. The fact is, Congress under Nancy Pelosi, they haven't held a single hearing on inflation. That's the number one crisis facing every American, no matter where you live in this country. So hear that firsthand. And number two, we can hold this administration accountable. We also have the power of the purse. That means reining in this reckless spending. That means passing a balanced budget. And it also means making sure that we have fiscal and monetary policy that's focused on, again, ramping down this historic inflation. But Congress, we're the appropriators here. And of course, in divided government, you have to, you know, negotiate. But Republicans are going to stand firm to stop the endless spending that has led to uh, a really a tax on every American. All right, Elise, you were a policy person before you got into politics, and you were a policy person when I served with you, and I'm, and I'm not. So let me ask you a policy question. All right, spending money is always easier than cutting. It certainly was when I was there. It's hard to cut. So spending was up even when Republicans uh, were controlling the House. So is it just government spending? What are the other variables explaining the the, the exponential increase in inflation, because almost every administration spends a lot of money. Well, first of all, you are right. There are other aspects of this. There's been a war on American energy production and energy manufacturing from the uh, redlining of the Keystone XL pipeline to the not permitting any new oil and gas permits or leases. Uh, that's had a tremendous impact because the price of gas is also going up significantly and historically it's nearly doubled since Joe Biden took office. Also, if you look at the extension of unemployment benefits that Democrats continue to extend, extend, where there was an incentive for people to stay out of work rather than getting back to work as the economy reopened uh, after COVID. Uh, that also had a huge, huge exacerbating effect on the labor shortage. So when you talk to small businesses, when you talk to manufacturers, Trey, no matter who you talk to, they're all looking to hire people. They have a for hire sign uh, on main streets across America. So it's all these, uh, all these issues combined that are leading to this inflation crisis. But all these issues are a direct result of Democrats' failed policies. We did not see this rampant inflation at all under the previous administration. And of course, we did pass robust COVID, but very target COVID packages rather than the spigot, which was wide open. And look at the waste, fraud and abuse. When we talk about the targeted small business relief that Republicans focused on when it came to COVID relief, we're now finding that under the Democrat leadership, the COVID bill where less than 10 percent went to COVID uh, relief, that there's hundreds and hundreds of millions of dollars of waste, fraud and abuse. So there's a lot of policy issues here that we need to hold the administration accountable for, but also that Republicans need to put forth and we're going to not only reining in our spending, but also making sure that we're encouraging and incentivizing American energy independence, that we're making sure that the incentive is to get folks back to work rather than staying out of the workforce. Stephanie Stefanik, she is a representative, a Republican from New York. As we said earlier, speaking about her, she was not alive the last time we had real inflation in America. She wasn't born until 1981. Golly, she's a baby and she's serving in Congress. She's a very straightforward, very good legislator and she gets it even at her young age. Well, you just heard from Trey Gowdy, one of my favorite guys to serve in our U.S. Congress. I wish he was still there and I understand he left. He had a dog attitude. I mean, he would just go for it. 
And that came from the fact that he was a federal prosecutor before he ran for office from South Carolina. And he decided to leave, and I respect that, but I wish he was he was still there. One of his compadres um, from Ohio, I'm talking about Jim Jordan, he's another guy. He's a bulldog. He goes after everything factually. When we come back after this break, there are two things you need to know. You're going to hear from Jim Jordan about something regarding this January 6th committee. It's another lie that's coming out there. But what I really want you to stay tuned for is I want you to hear coming out of Wyoming. You know, that's Liz Cheney's home. That's where she's from. That's a piece of horse caca. (laughs) She lives there, but she's not from there. She is Dick Cheney's daughter. Remember him? He was the vice president under Bush 43, almost single-handedly was responsible for the Iraq war where we invaded Iraq based upon, we knew factually there were nukes that Saddam Hussein had nuclear, he had bombs and all kinds of military equipment that he wasn't supposed to have. And we invaded, there were no weapons of mass destruction anywhere. We never found them. Don't know that he ever had them. But just because of what Dick Cheney said, Bush 43 pulled the trigger on that. And it had, many of us think it had to do with that first war against Saddam Hussein, which was actually in Kuwait that Bush 43's dad instigated. And he didn't get to win that war. So 43, Bush the younger, a lot of people think the reason he pulled the trigger or one of the reasons, the excuse was weapons of mass destruction. And he really went to do it so he could get rid of Saddam Hussein for his dad. So we're going to let you hear from Liz Cheney. Actually, not from her. But where it counts, you know, people in a particular state or congressional district, those are the ones that are really making all the decisions about who they want to serve for them in Washington, D.C. Liz Cheney, longtime favorite, quote unquote, from Wyoming, She's under fire from within her own state, from within her own party. You're going to hear about that, but you're also going to hear from Jim Jordan and what he has to say about the January 6th committee lying. We don't tell you what to think, but we give you truth to think about. This is TNN, the The Truth Truth News Network. Network. Truthnewsnet.org. Few things bring as much joy as the delicious taste of Coca-Cola. Like your first time camping or falling in love on a blind date. And now, our new Coke bottles are sip-sized and made from 100% recycled materials. So every bottle can live on to create more memories. That's endlessly refreshing. Coca-Cola. Bottles are made from 100% recycled materials excluding cap and label. Enjoy the great taste of Coca-Cola in a new sip-sized bottle that's made of 100% recycled materials. Little Caesar's Thin Crust Pizza is so loaded with cheese and pepperoni you can't even see the crust. And if you ever want to see it again, listen very carefully. Bring $6.49 in unmarked bills or marked bills or coins or just a credit or debit card to Little Caesar's. Come alone and bring your friends or family. Bring everyone. Get a Little Caesar's Large Thin Crust Pizza with extra cheese and the most pepperoni, all at the nation's best price of just $6.49. Pizza, pizza. Top four national pizza chains. Extra most bestest thin crust pepperoni pizza versus large round one topping thin crust pepperoni pizza. Everyday standard menu prices at participating locations plus tax. Those in the know like to stay in the realm of innovation. Join them. 
It's easy to keep up with the latest trends and own the latest tech with BMW Select as it offers you the option to drive a brand new BMW every three years. You also get to tailor your deal to suit your pocket and your lifestyle. Visit select.bmw.co.za for more. BMW Select. Dynamic finance for ultimate control. BMW Financial Services is an authorized FSP and registered credit provider. T's and C's apply. Shaft. You remember that? From that original movie. This was back in the 70s. Music was, you got the wah-wah in the guitar. I know, I know. I'm a musician and I like to talk music when I get a chance. Hey, listen, before we get done today, you're going to learn a little bit more about the angst that a lot of people in the know have about the way this January 6th investigation is going. And one of the guys that is out there on the forefront, and he, just like Trey Gowdy, they always have been and are willing to put it out there in an effort to find the facts. That's all they care about. Well, you may not remember this, but back last year, there was an uproar coming out of this committee because they began to prepare all of their quote-unquote evidence to prove that Donald Trump was the guy, the person, who instigated everything to do with the January 6th insurrection. And I hesitate to say that word. I don't think it was anything like an insurrection. And we've had on this show people, a bunch of them, like six or seven that were actually there that day, and they none of them saw anything that could even be truthfully referred to as an act of insurrection. So what did Jim Jordan have to say? Well... You may not remember this, but it was proven that the January 6th committee altered a text message exchange between Jordan and former White House Chief of Staff Mark Meadows. And Jordan, yesterday, he said this, We also know this committee has altered evidence and lied to the American people about doing it, so much so that they had to issue a statement which says, quote, We regret the error. (laughs) The error. It was a purposeful mistake, and do you know who did it? Adam Schiff. Shifty Shift. We regret the error. That's nothing more than we got caught lying. So that's what this committee is about, Jordan said. I think this country sees it for what it is, a partisan political activity. He was talking about the January 6th committee having acknowledged in December last year that they doctored a text message between Jim Jordan and Mark Meadows and also excluded some content about how they had wanted former Vice President Mike Pence to handle electoral votes during the joint session of Congress that day. Late last year, here comes Adam Shifty Schiff, the head of the House Intelligence Committee. It showed an image during a hearing about communications between Meadows and others, including Jordan. It was displayed as the House committee was discussing whether to hold Mark Meadows in contempt of Congress. So here's the way the message was presented. I'm going to quote it. On January 6, 2021, Vice President Mike Pence, as President of the Senate, should call out all electoral votes that he believes are unconstitutional as no electoral votes at all. 
Schiff is the one that threw this up on the screen. At the time, he described the message as an attempt by Jordan to suggest that the former vice president simply throw out votes that he unilaterally deems unconstitutional. But guess what? It turned out the text was a direct quote from Department of Defense Inspector General Joseph Schmitz and not from Jordan himself. They also, by the way, edited the message to cut off the rest of the sentence, which read in full, quote, in accordance with guidance from founding father Alexander Hamilton and judicial precedents. A spokesman for the House January 6th committee said, in December, the message was doctored. <laughs> Yesterday, Jordan, ranking Republican on the House Judiciary Committee, he said that last Thursday's televised hearings on the committee's findings presented no new info. I still don't think there was anything new there. It's kind of like the home team playing at home, and the refs on their side, and they still can't win the game. Capital January 6th panel members last week and on Monday claimed that Donald Trump orchestrated a scheme to overturn the election and suggested that he directed protesters to the Capitol on January 6th. Here's what Benny Thompson, Democrat from Mississippi, he chairs this committee. Here's what he said, quote, January 6th was the culmination of an attempted coup, a brazen attempt to overthrow the government Violence was no accident. This House committee consists of seven Democrats, two Republicans, first such committee in congressional history in which the minority leader of the party that's opposite of the majority leader, that would be McCarthy. He's the leader of the Republican Party in the House. He's from California and he goes up against the House Speaker, Nancy Pelosi, also from California. She's the Democrat, and she refused to let McCarthy put the Republicans that he chose to serve on that committee to put them up there. And she only allowed two, and both of the two, one of them is Liz Cheney, the other one is Adam Kinzinger, who's leaving Congress. They're both rhinos. They both hate Donald Trump from the beginning, and that's why she wanted only those. Jim Jordan was one of the ones she would not allow to serve on that committee. The whole thing from the beginning has been a sham. Nothing more than that. It's just an attempt to do anything within their power to keep Donald Trump from running in 2024. Now I'm going to do something I don't normally do here. We're going to go to Liz Cheney in the story coming out of Wyoming in just a second. But I want to point something out. Fox News gets a lot of heat from the left. And i got to be honest with you. Fox News, through the years, I have some angst with some of the people and some of the things that are said on that cable news channel. I always have. I, I'm not a big fan of Juan Williams. In fact, I'll just say I can't stand Juan Williams it has always appeared to me that he is there as not a token black. He is African-American, but not because of his skin color, but because he is a well-known Democrat and he speaks well. And I think he's been propped up through the years to be the alternative in opinions of things over there. And I'm not sure what their focus group research tells them, but he's still hanging around. However, they have reduced his role on air. And I think it's because they found out 
a lot of the things that he said through the years has been proven almost immediately in many cases not to be factual, and Fox viewers don't like that. Arthel Neville, she is one of the anchors on the weekend. She is a native of Louisiana from New Orleans. The Neville family down there, they are great musicians. I love their music. I've met several of them. They're really good people. I'm not talking about their political persuasions. I don't know. I don't even know for sure what Arthel's is, but I think she leans based upon things that she says when she's interviewing others and stories that she presents. I think she is a closet, if she is a closet Democrat. I'm not sure she is, but she leans that way based upon what she says. There's another one there, Brit Hume. Brit Hume, you see him all the time. He's a Fox News senior political analyst. So what was expressed yesterday by Brit Hume is what popped up and made me take note of it. Democrats clearly hope this House committee investigating the Capitol riot is going to stop Donald Trump and his supporters. There are some even in the Republican Party who would privately be glad if it damages the former president's 2024 prospects. That was what Brit Hume said yesterday in a discussion about the circus act that is the House committee, which held its second public hearing yesterday, rolling out former Trump advisors presenting quote-unquote testimony designed to give the 45th president a political black eye and ostensibly keep him from running for office again. Hume told Fox News anchor Brett Baer, who I have a lot of respect for, that if Democrats succeed in knocking Trump out of contention for office, they may actually be doing the Republican Party a great service. I guess the question still is, he said, are they moving towards trying to make a legal case against Trump or one that is a political case to somehow prevent him from being a factor in 24? That's what Baer asked yesterday on special report. And Hume replied, well, I think they're doing both. Jamie Raskin, one of the committee members, has said, you know, part of what they're doing is to create something that can be referred to the Justice Department for possible prosecution, he added, referring to the Maryland Democrat, Jamie Raskin. He was one of the House speakers that carried a lot of the weight in one of the, I think it was the first Trump impeachment. What strikes me about this, Brett, this is Brett Hume again, is that if they succeed either by damaging him or staining him such that he is either unable or for legal or for other political reasons to run again, they might end up finding out that they've done the Republican Party a great service. Because I think a great many Republicans think they can't win with Trump at the head of the ticket again. They are afraid of his supporters and don't want to come out against him directly but they'd like him to go away. If the effect of this committee is to make his possible candidacy go away, I think a great many Republicans would privately be very glad. Hmm. By the way, he, Brit Hume, in a separate Fox News appearance, called out the committee hearing as a televised press release with sound bites. Listen, I'm not a Republican. I'm not a Democrat. I'm an American. I vote for who it doesn't matter what party they're in. I vote for who I feel will do the best job. 
And so here's Britt Hume. He's not, he's a, he's a political analyst and he's up there. He's not talking about politics. He's talking about his personal opinion. And this is where a lot of people get in a lot of trouble. We see every day, if you turn on the likes of MSNBC or CNN, all they give us is their personal opinions. And they do it in the name, I'm a news anchor. Let me tell you the news. But they don't shut up and just give us the news. They give us their opinions. And because it's them and their opinions, like Britt Hume, he's basically saying from a point of knowing something that other people don't. I know that if Trump doesn't run, it'll please a whole lot of Republicans that don't think, his words, don't think that Trump can win. I'm going to tell you a little truth. I have a broom. I have a broom at my house that I think could beat Joe Biden in the next election. Do I think Donald Trump can win? If the votes are counted properly. Did you hear that? The caveat. Not if he gets more votes. If they're counted properly. I know. I don't just think. I know he can win. And do it in a landslide. If he's running against Joe Biden. And to be quite honest, I don't think he's going to be running against Joe Biden. I think the Democrats, they know they can't possibly win in 2024 if they put Joe Biden up against whoever runs on the Republican side. The reason I would like to see Trump back is because of what he was able to do. He made life better for every American, top to bottom. Doesn't matter if you're filthy rich or if you're low middle class. You did way better economically better jobs, more pay, taxes lowered, inflation was gone. There was no inflation. All of that, that this president and the Democrat Party killed and sent packing. And you and I, we're paying the price today. The price is getting steeper and it's going to continue to climb. I don't know where it'll stop. And I pray that we get our arms around it. I want Joe Biden to achieve success in this one thing getting this economic mess straightened out. And I'm fearful. I don't think he can do it. Now back to Liz Cheney. She's up as is every member of the House of Representatives every two years. She's up for re-election in Wyoming. And she's getting a little pushback up there. Of course, the January 6th hearings have put a spotlight on Congresswoman Liz Cheney, the Republican representative from Wyoming. Yeah, she's one of only two Republicans to sit on this select committee investigating the Capitol attack and has used her platform to condemn former President Trump and her own party for, quote, defending the indefensible. NBC News senior politics reporter John Allen joins us now from Jackson Hole, Wyoming. John, good morning. Good to see you there. So, I mean, we know Cheney represents a state that Trump won in a landslide in 2020, but at the same time, the Cheney name is huge there. So what's the response? been like there to her role in this investigation. Well, good morning, Joe, and good morning, Savannah. Uh, the response here, generally speaking, has been pretty bad. Uh, Republicans here mostly, uh, and I've been uh, in the, the state a couple different places over the past couple of weeks. It's been, uh, it's been negative. A lot of Republicans don't like that she's taking on uh, Donald Trump, uh, whether it's this committee or voting to impeach him earlier. Um, but right now, I'm in uh, Teton County in Jackson. Um, and there's a little bit more diversity of opinion here, and that matters because 
uh, Democrats can re-register and vote in Republican primaries in Wyoming, and some of them are planning to do that. Uh, we've talked to a bunch of voters out here with a variety of spe uh, views. Uh, let's listen to some of them. I don't think she should be in charge of anything. She's not for the common person. She's not for Wyoming. She's just playing the game. I think she's courageous to do what she's doing, but I don't agree with her, her politics. I don't agree with the fact that she kind of betrayed Trump. I'm very impressed by Liz Cheney. Um, I, I'm super impressed by her. I still am not align with her opinions and and but i'm happy that she's part of this and she's very strong about this and that, that last voter you just heard from is one of those uh democrats that's planning to switch over and vote in the republican primary for cheney mm. uh that's something that we'll have to see whether it gains traction as a movement or not yeah, so let's talk about what she could see in this upcoming election. So she's facing a Republican primary challenge for her seat. What's the latest polling in that race? Do we have a sense of whether the January 6th investigation and these public hearings that we have being televised, are they helping or hurting her? Uh, Tony Fabrizio, the pollster for Donald Trump, is also doing uh, polling of the race here. The primary opponent uh, or the main primary opponent for Liz Cheney is a woman named Harriet Hageman. Uh, the polling that Fabrizio has done, as our colleague Mark Caputo reported recently, uh, has Hageman up about 30 points right now. There are actually several other candidates in the race. Uh, the key for Cheney would be to try to get to that one-third mark or 35 percent mark right now. She's polling in the 20s, according to uh, the other side. Now, when you ask Cheney's folks how what their polls look like, they won't tell you. So uh, presumably... Uh, they're not a whole lot better. We'd probably be hearing about that. All right. John, thank you so much for joining us from Wyoming. We appreciate it. Thank so you. Always good to get uh, information, real news, information factually from the horse's mouth. Jackson Hole, Wyoming. Have you ever been there? Oh, my gosh. That's where all the wealthy from Hollywood, uh, they fly into Jackson Hole, Wyoming. And there is great skiing. No humidity. Temperatures are stable with the exception of the winter. It gets very cold there. Uh, I've been there numerous times. Let me just tell you, it's a little bitty sleepy town. Everything there is out the wazoo expensive. And um, driving out of Jackson Hole on my way up to uh, Yellowstone to go through the park. I was on a Harley crew trip the, ne the first time I went there. And coming out north of town, I drove by the airport there. There were five Gulfstream corporate jets lined up on the tarmac at this private airport. And I didn't really know what it was all about, but all of those big movie stars, they all have places in Jackson Hole. The wealthy people go there. You know, kind of like Liz Cheney. She's 30 points behind her Republican challenger in the primary. 30 points. And you heard that reporter say, if you talk to Liz Cheney's people, they won't talk to you about numbers. Typically, that tells a story. It means they know they're behind and they're not doing well. On a local basis, Texas Governor Greg Abbott, he's running for re-election. You know who he's running against? Beto. Beto O'Rourke. In polling yesterday, Greg Abbott is 19 points ahead of Beto O'Rourke. I just thought I'd throw that in there. One other thing I want to make you aware of in Pennsylvania, Pennsylvania lawmakers, they have moved to impeach Philly District Attorney D.A. Krasner. They're saying he's completely lost his mind. 
Republican State Representatives Tim O'Neill, Josh Kale, Tarin Ecker detailed the effort to oust him. We want to highlight the dereliction of duty that we've seen from this district attorney. Lives have been lost. Property has been destroyed. Real families have been crushed. Enough is enough. We need to do something. We need to get back to the basics in this commonwealth and in this nation. We're hearing that a lot, aren't we? I mean, we're really hearing that a lot from across the nation. These far-left district attorneys that are out there, and they're not doing their jobs. They're defund the police, any law enforcement, and they're just tearing the nation apart at the local level. Americans, we got to wake up. It's got to get better. And it's not going to get better unless we make it get better. We're the ones, folks. Government of, government by, and government for the people. A bunch of, a bunch of uh, primary runoffs today. Go vote. Express your opinion. We'll see you tomorrow right here at TNN Live. Thank you. Bird.